to Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. In this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God, Rich Kallenberg shares 10 messages about God who loves you more than you can imagine. A God that wants you to understand Him. And yes, a God that welcomes your difficult questions about Himself and the way He runs His universe. Rich found freedom 18 years ago from his out-of-control life of drug addiction and alcoholism when God found him. Break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Now here's Rich on Freedom to Choose. People like Susan and I, and anybody that has done damage to their brain, they're lacking something. And it could have been a parental issue. It may not have been. But if it is a parental issue, they need new parents, right? We need a new father. See, and that's how the need gets supplied. And when we understand that we have a new father and he says, don't be worried, don't be upset, and he's going to make some promises. Well, we've been let down by a lot of promises around here, but you know what? God will not let us down. And that begins to change the brain and redevelop the brain. And and that's why by faith is the only way. Once again, what is depression? Depression is the inability to construct a future. And when you're down and out and you've been on drugs and there's no dopamine in your brain, you cannot construct a future. Or if you just lost your home and you lost your job and things are going terribly bad and there's no dopamine going in the brain, you cannot construct a future. So the only future that can be constructed is the one that our Father in Heaven constructs for us. And then we take it by faith. You look around, I've been burned everywhere else, but you know what? I'm not going to get burned here. He's not going to burn me. Jesus said to his disciples, are you going to leave me too? They go, we've got no place else to go. You have the words of life, right? So do we believe it or not? So he says, don't be worried. Don't be upset. Believe in God, believe also in me. There are many rooms in my father's house, and I'm going to repair a place for you. Do you believe that? I would not tell you of it if it were not so. I'm not lying to you. You may have had your chain yanked before, but I'm not yanking your chain. And after I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will come back and take you to myself so that you will be where I am. Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? So now we're going to look at how, we, how is he going to return? Because there's all kind, not only is there a confusion about can we have faith in him, but is he going to return? How is he going to answer some questions? Because um, I think when we understand this and we get a real picture of how he's coming, when he's coming, what it's going to be like, who he's coming for, we can really construct a future. Okay? How will he return? Well, in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, it says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him up out of their sight, And while they were gazing into heaven, and as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. 
So how's he going to come? If he went up in the clouds, he's going to come back in the clouds, right? Pretty simple. So how do so many get it wrong? We're going to go through several issues here all the way through and see what's wrong, what's right. Let's dispel the myths, okay? First off, I've noticed that people want to be entertained by the second coming. They're not really interested in a biblical foundation. They just want to watch Star Wars on their TV, or they want to watch people go poof, or they want, I don't know, but they want to be entertained. And so my question would be, will there really be a secret rapture like Mr. LaHaye's books illustrate? Is this where we should go to find out? Where does the idea of a secret rapture come from? You ever wondered that? It's a misconception of several verses in the Bible. Not many either. Not many, not many verses. Let's look. In Luke 17, it says, I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. There we go, secret rapture. Not so fast. Two women shall be grinded together, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field, the one taken and the other shall be left. Okay, let's go back and look at that. What do you notice, number one, about how many people there are? Two. How many sides are there? Two. What is death? Is death asleep? Death is asleep. So if there's two men in one bed, you notice it's kind of weird, two men in one bed? Okay. Death is asleep. There are people in the grave right now. One bed, the grave. Two types. Saved and the lost. One will be taken, the other left. Very simple, isn't it? Very simple. It's talking about the fact that there are only two types of people. It's not, not in any way, shape, or form talking about the event. Everybody with me? Two women shall be grinding together. Two men shall be in the field. There's only two, the saved and the lost. Just simply talking about an occupation or being in the field. So it's not. So now let's look and see also how an, a couple of other verses that get, get a little bit confused. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 2. For you yourselves know perfectly that the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Is that what it says? What does it say? It says that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief. You with me? It says the day comes. And it says, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. Let's get back to this a little later, okay? We'll get back to that one a little bit later. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. So there's a day coming that's going to be a surprise. Are you with me? The day will be a surprise. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. Well, we need to look into this a little farther, right? Will we all see then? I mean, it sounds like a big deal we're building up to now, right? 
Will we all see? Let's think. Matthew 24, 27. For as lightning cometh out of the east and shall shineth even to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, I can remember we went to Illinois, and it was about, I don't know, 2 in the morning. And there was a lightning storm there. And I don't care what I did. I could not close my eyes tight enough in that lightning. You ever been in one, especially back? I mean, that is so bright, you can't stop it from seeing it. I don't care what you do. Like lightning. Behold, he is coming with clouds. Remember, Acts went in the clouds. Now he's coming in the clouds. And how many eyes will see him? Every eye will see him. So, so we're not going to be walking along and somebody's going to go, poof, I oh, wonder what happened. Rat, secret rapture. No, it's not going to happen like that. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Luke 21, 26, people fainting with fear, with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. They will see him with power and great glory, a magnificent display. Does anyone know when he'll come? Anybody here know when he's going to come? No? Okay. Well, some people thought they knew, right? Save the date. May 21st, 2011. Uh, these people were very enthused and believed very in the depth of their being that he was coming then. They were... They were Good people, good people. They just got it a little bit wrong. Just got it a little bit wrong is all. After numerous failed doomsday predictions, Family Radio founder Harold Camping announced this month that he has no plans to predict ever again the day of God's judgment. He also issued an apology to listeners admitting that he was wrong. We have learned the very painful lesson that all of creation is in God's hands and he will, he will end time in his time, not ours. And I don't know if you've seen these billboards or not. No one knows the day or the hour. That was awkward. And it was awkward because I think it did damage. It helped those that wanted to mock God to be able to mock him more. Helped those that wanted to mock his followers so that they could mock his followers more. You know what I'm saying? Christians don't know what they're talking about. What does the book of Acts say? In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And of course, here's that verse. Matthew 24, 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. It's pretty clear. 
that no one knows the day or the hour, right? In fact, he made it so clear because he even included himself in the human form that he didn't even know. Okay, so it's very clear. And, of course, we had the Mayan calendar thing that happened just a little while ago, that the world was going to blow up or something and in December. What was it, 23rd or something? Yeah. So, either way. Okay, so let's, let's, let's regroup here. What will happen to this earth, our atmosphere, and the planets when he comes? What do you suppose? What do you suppose will happen? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done <clears throat> on it will be exposed. Since all these things are to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in the lives of holiness and godliness. We'll get back to that in a second. Waiting and for waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. You think you're gonna notice it if all that's going on? How does a secret rapture get introduced with texts like that. It's almost insane. Now, here's the most important part, okay? The most important part. What will happen to his people when he comes? If all of this is going on, it's either going to be a glorious event for somebody or a horrific event for somebody. You understand what I'm saying? Matthew 24:30 says, "Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Do you want to be one of those that they gather?" I do. I do. I don't know what that's going to be like when, when the angels gather people up, but they're going to gather us up. Now notice 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now remember, there was two in the bed, there's dead in Christ, and there's dead not in Christ. The dead in Christ rise. The dead not in Christ don't rise. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Did he come in the clouds? We're caught up together with him in the clouds. Together to meet him in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So you have this magnificent event with stuff blowing up and fire and elements melting, and yet at the same time, his elect are caught up in the air. And he says, comfort one another with these words. Wow. Well, and we better find out who these people will be. Is that a good idea?
I want to find out. I want to find out what it takes. And actually, we have studied this in the last nine presentations. We've studied what kind of people we're going to be able to stand in this glorious presence of God. Now, in the context of the second coming, God reiterates it. He reiterates what it takes, what it takes to live with him. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Wow. So these people are at peace. They're without spot or blemish. They've turned their lives over to Jesus. And all the garbage that they've been packing around, they've given to Jesus. Anybody packing around any garbage? I know I am. I know I've given him a ton of garbage already. But there's still a lot of garbage. These people are at peace. Anybody here at peace, at total peace? He gives rest. He says he gives peace. But the problem is, we don't call on him. We do not call on him. I can remember, I used to go out fishing at my grandfather's house out in the country on Garden Bar Road. <clears throat> but one day, when I lived over on J Street, it was a very special day. My grandfather was going to take me to Coon Creek, which is right out here. And he'd never come into town to pick me up to take me fishing. I had always gone out there, and there was a little creek there, and they had the little perch in there, and we'd fish and whatnot. But this was Coon Creek. And there was some big old, but they were, they were suckers and carp, but there was a big old fish in there, man, and I wanted to go fish in there. And I could hardly wait. And I got up real early, and I had, a, I had a little bait box. It was called a Bob Bet bait box. It was a little, anybody ever seen one of those? No, I didn't know. And you keep worms in it, and, it had, and, it, and you keep it on your belt. And then I had a creel, you know, to keep the fish in. And I had, it was all ready to go early in the morning. He was going to pick me up. I can't remember what time it was, right? But you know what happens when you're a child? Can't wait. So I'm, I'm looking out, I'm looking out the, the window of the house, and... I can't wait. So I get out on the front porch, and I, I'm all antsy and stuff, and I got all my fishing stuff, and, you know, hours are going by, and hours, and he doesn't come. So the next thing I know, I'm out in the front uh, sitting on the brick. Just, I, I, can't, I can't stand it, and I'm looking down the road, and he doesn't come, and he doesn't come. I'm out in the street now. I mean, hours have gone by. Really, literally, I don't know how long, how much time had gone by. But you know what I'm saying in a child's mind. And he finally came. When I saw him coming down the street, I was so excited. Is that what's happening maybe with us and Jesus? Are we that excited that we can't wait? I can remember that as clear as day. I was so excited. Am I that excited about Jesus coming as I was as a little boy going fishing? Remember, he says, we got to be returned to be like little children. Humble, teachable. Humble and teachable, like a little child. So our question for tonight, is Jesus really coming back? Folks, he has to. And soon. There is a lot going on. That's why we're here and we're talking about it. There is so much going on around us. It's getting more and more confusing, isn't it? 
I'd like to close with a story. It's going to kind of wrap up everything that we've been talking about. Because we've been talking about God, and we've been talking about the devil, and we've been talking about this conflict, and we're talking about how the devil has twisted everything that God has done that's good. He's twisted everything that God has written that's good. He's twisted everything. And the devil has somehow planted in some of our minds that God is the enemy. That God is the enemy. I mean, if he's even gone so far that he's that God is such an enemy that maybe that the only way that he can find it in his heart to forgive us is if he sacrifices his son. No, God loves you just as much as the son. That's nonsense. God loves you. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So don't let the devil twist what the Bible says. Anybody know what kind of dog this is? It's a Springer Spaniel. If you ever had one, you know that from age one to age four, they are antsy. They're in everything. They are like radioactive. They are just unbelievable. Well, my friend Mike and I, back in the day, back when we used to do bad things, we'd go fishing a lot up at Fordyce Lake. And he had, a, he had a Springer Spaniel just like this one. His name was Homer, okay? And when we'd go up there to, to fish, we actually, I don't, I don't want to get into that. But anyway, um, we went out one day in the boat. We took Homer and me and Mike. We went out to fish, and we were trolling. We were trolling. We were catching some nice big German brown trout. And, um, and so we're, tro- we're going along, and it's about... I don't know, three or four in the afternoon, and it started, the wind started coming up late in the, late in the day. And, you know, the, we're in a little 12-foot aluminum boat with a small motor on it, and the lake starts getting choppier and choppier. So well, we better head back. Okay, so we start heading back, and it's, next thing it's getting worse, and it's worse. And so we're try, now we're trying to hit the waves so we're not capsizing. We're, we're going like this and going like this. And about that time, that Springer Spaniel stuck his nose in the tackle box and came up with a treble hook hanging out of his nose. All three hooks buried. Now, I'm going to show you. If you've got a weak stomach, don't look. I'm going to show you something. I know everybody's going to look at what he's going to show. What's he going to show us? This is one hook. Okay, that's one hook. This dog had three hooks buried in his nose. Okay? And so the waves are crashing. The lure is ripping at his nose. Now, every time he moved, he yelped. And so then we got the needle nose pliers and we got him up there and we're trying to get it and there's blood everywhere and, the, and trying to keep the boat from, ca- it really got weird real quick, you know, from a nice day catching German brown trout to, to, to this, just simply trying to get back to shore. And there's this dog and he is yelping and hooting and, and I mean, I, what's going on? So finally I'd had enough. I reached over, I grabbed his nose, I grabbed the lure, and I yanked it out of his nose. And he let out a yelp, and then he went. (laughs) See, he had a hook in his nose. That was his problem, and it had to come out. And it bled, and there'll be some scars. Sin is like that treble hook. It's going to bleed a little bit. We're going to have some scars from removing it. But it has to come out. See, 
when that dog moved or when that boat leaped caused that dog pain. But it wasn't the boat leaping or it wasn't the dog moving that was causing the pain. It was the hook in his nose. Every time we move with sin in our lives, it hurts. It not only hurts us, but it hurts others. And that has been the message of this whole series, is God is not the problem. Sin is. Sin is a health problem. It starts between the ears and comes to fruition in whatever we do. If we can get that right and understand that God wants to fix that sin problem, he wants to get that treble hook out of the nose, and it's going to be painful. I'm sorry. Operations are painful, especially emotional ones. Remember, the same part of the brain lights up, whether it's physical or emotional pain. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose and this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God. If you or someone you know is living in addiction captivity and having trouble finding God, Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that God does work miracles. They've created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the addiction recovery workbook for yourself or someone you know, just give them a call and they'll send it to you. 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.